my experience in building relationship with God. In the previous episode, we left off where my dad had just dropped my baby and I off at the home for unwed mothers. And I had shared that the home was in a really beautiful part of the city. It was in a upper middle class neighborhood. And the home itself was very large. And it it was really a beautiful place. Even though I had raw feelings, initially raw feelings about being there, it didn't take me very long to settle in. It was actually quite an extraordinary place. There were other women there with their babies. Some had one newborn like myself. And there was one, maybe two other moms that may have had two two children. However, we were all being classified in the same category as unwed moms. Because the house was full of moms, single moms with children, the staff there was women. So that's what they hired for um, counselors and therapists and day-to-day staff that would be there. And in the house, they actually had a daycare. And when we got to the house, each young lady would meet with their counselor and they would set up plans of what they needed to achieve to become self-sufficient. And a lot of those plans usually meant finishing high school um, or getting a job or starting post-secondary education. For myself, I was in the process of finishing high school. And that was that was interesting because I was a senior. And um, just like they had a home for unwed mothers, there was also a school for teen moms, alternative education school for teen moms. And of course... I attended that school. It was really interesting because I don't have a lot of memories specifically of attending the school. I just remember that I I did. And I remembered I remember where it was. It wasn't that far away from from where I was staying in the home. And uh so when I would go to school I would leave my newborn uh, in the house with the daycare people. And it was interesting because they not only did daycare for the young women in the house, they had some daycare slots open for a few families also that lived in that area. 
and um, it was kept really well. Uh, the director of the program, she was meticulous about making sure everything was clean and and the children were taken care of properly. And um, so when I would go to school, I, I would leave my son there and, um, and, and go to school. And then when I came back, I'd pick him up and go into my room. And in the evening, uh, the child care would close. And then the house turned over to us young women and the evening counselors that came on. Um, usually it was one evening staff, one uh, experienced counselor uh, that would come on in the evening and work until 11. They had a live-in person. Um, there was an, uh, an actual studio apartment upstairs in the top portion of the house, and uh, she lived there. So there was always a staff on site. I was really, I considered myself fortunate to be in such a place. And there I, w I was able to take care of my son and myself and get things accomplished. I was able to meet other people there, other uh, moms, and we got to know each other. Um, we shared our stories with each other and um, in the evening around this huge dining room table. You'd walk in the front door and you'd walk into this very large living room space. And then the next space was a very large dining room area that had a very large dining room table and high chairs along the wall. And it was bright floral uh, wallpaper on the walls. And, and then it, it led into a very large kitchen. And from from there, it led into the different rooms in the bottom of the house, or I should say in the midsection of the house. In the basement was storage and supplies and whatnot. However, little did I know that this was going to be a place where I would meet someone that would change the absolute direction of not only my life, but my son's life in a very, very, very tragic way. Understand that they hired individuals that were in the counseling area they had most, they had, the major positions were full-time. However, they did have a couple part-time positions um, for evening staff or for weekend staff. Or the position could be a part-time position between evening and weekends. And after I had been there 
in a few months and meeting some extraordinary women there that were very helpful. A staff person, a female staff person, was hired part-time. And over time, over a few weeks, she started to talk with me. I don't know, she seemed to kind of single me out, me and my baby, from the other girls in the house. And she would make it her, I don't know, focus to take me um, and my baby out. You know, we'd go out for coffee or... And we would be with her, like, for... She'd take us out to lunch or... um, If we were at the home, um, when she came on staff, you know, she'd, we'd sit and talk there at the house. And it got to the point where, like, if I wanted to go out and shake my groove thing, shake my groove thing, (laughs) party, if I wanted to go out party, um... Because sometimes a couple of the other young ladies and I, we would get together and we'd go out and party and we needed babysitters. And and she would offer to watch my son for me. And it came to, like, a situation where, like, she would say something to the effect she would say positive things to me. And I wasn't used to to anybody really speaking anything positive to me. Um, And so that was, to me, odd, and it was different. For an example, um, I don't know, after she had been around with me um, for a few weeks and different times we were talking and everything, she said to me, She said, have you ever thought about going to college? And I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? She's like, well, you could do it. You, I've listened to you and you're really smart. You, You could do it. You could, you know, you could go to college and you could get through it successfully. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And um, little did I know, she was actually working for one of the universities. And and, uh, I I didn't know this or anything. And one day she showed up with this application. And um, she said, well, here's the application. And she's like, it's your choice. You can go ahead and fill it out. Um, or you could just take it and, you know, toss it or do whatever you want with it. So I grabbed the application and I decided to fill it out. And a few weeks later, I found an envelope 
on the table for me when I came in from school from that college and I opened the envelope and it said, congratulations, you have been accepted. I burst out in tears because hearing those words, you have been accepted. (laughs) It's really like rain falling on my face after so many years of not feeling accepted of individuals telling you you weren't accepted by either or being bullied. I was the one that, of the group, of the posse, out of the neighborhood kids that never fit in. I was always the odd one. The one that other neighborhood kids decided that Not all of them. There was a few, but it only takes one to make your life miserable when you're in junior high school or high school. And uh, you dread getting on the school bus because when you get off the bus, there they are wanting to fight you, you know. And then there's the instigators, you know, and the agitators and, you know, so bullying was was part of the, of the negative that i got from my peers you hear overhear conversations or you know or just oh you'll never be this or you'll never be that and you know you're not good enough you're not smart enough you're Your teachers, you know, say that, you know, you're educationally disadvantaged because you've been moved from one school to another and to another and to another because you're such and so and so and all this, you know. So everybody had these labels for me. (laughs) And uh, of course, I, I showed her the letter when she came on staff that weekend. Uh, we went out and celebrated, you know, out to dinner, and, and it was really great. And, wow, I was going to college. And it was really almost like a full circle moment because I remember I used to be a runaway. Yes, I had learned the behavior of. And it was during one of these times when I had run away. The reason why I say it was a full circle moment is that it was during one of these times when I had run away, I had caught a bus. There used to be a bus. um, They call us the Twin Cities. And it would run from one city all the way to the other city. And there was like a whole bunch of stops in between. Well, this particular city bus, it would go through 
uh, college campus. And I remember being a teenager on the run, going through this college campus on this city bus, and I would look up and see these architectural wonders that were along the avenue in this campus. And I would say to myself, it would really be something to be able to come here. But then in the very next moment, I would drop my head and thoughts of, you'll never go there. That's not going to happen to you. And I would go on my way, being on the run, (laughs) headed for more trouble, running away. When things got too scary, I would I learned how to actually physically grab whatever I could and run away. This was before I had gotten pregnant, of course. Shortly after my mom had passed away, I had gotten in some trouble and a toll on myself. I didn't know I was telling on myself. Um, I was rummaging around. I don't know. I don't even know why I was up in my dad's room. And he had this file cabinet. (laughs) And I don't know. I just started looking through the file cabinet. I don't know. Curiosity got the best of me. And in one of the file folders was, my gosh, like this stack of $20 bills. I had never seen so many $20 bills in my life. And um, so I took two of them. And boy, I tell you, man, went to school the next day and got in touch with my my, uh, little posse that I ran with. And we all skipped school, went across the street to the penny candy store. I had $40 back there. And then we walked out of there with grocery bags full of junk food and sodas and candy and chips and whatever. And uh, we went over to one of our homes and we just... Ate candy and chips and smoked a couple doobies and, you know, had the munchies. And, man, we just, yeah. So, anyway, I was talking to my best friend who lived across the street. This was late at night. I don't know. It was about. It was in the winter time because it had got dark early, and so it was actually not that late. It just seemed to be that late. And I told my best friend everything because I don't know why he wasn't with us, or maybe he was with us, but he didn't know how I came across the money. But anyway, we was thick as thieves, and so I was talking with him on the phone, and I thought my dad was sleeping upstairs, you know, because he had to work the overnight shift. And I explained in absolute detail how I came across the money and where I got it from. Oh, my gosh. You can imagine. 
how my heart dropped into the bottom pit of my stomach when I heard this voice. All right, Misty, you can get off the phone now. I've heard enough. Oh, my gosh. It was my dad. Oh, my God. And my best friend, he knew that my life was in serious danger. My gosh. My dad was fitting to skin me alive. And I was so afraid. I mean, this is really, really, really serious. I was so afraid. I had taken a butcher knife from the kitchen and I went into my room because the phone rang and my dad stopped to answer the phone which allowed me to grab this butcher knife and I was planning on killing myself (laughs) isn't that ironic you know I I I didn't have I remember sitting on my bed in my room and I had no idea who my dad was talking to but I took that butcher knife and I had it right in the middle of my abdomen and I was I was going to kill myself but I didn't I hated pain <laughs> I hated pain it sounds so stupid so I I just didn't have it in me to Shove the knife all the way into my gut, because if I had a, I would have. I sure would have. And he would have found me in there, bled out, you know, because he was still on the phone. I don't know how long he was on the phone for. So um, while I was determining how I was going to stab myself to death, um, my eyes fell on one of my bedroom windows, and uh, I it just came to me that, you know, just leave. If you're not here, he can't touch you. You know, so I pulled on my boots over my tights and uh, grabbed my coat and my hat and gloves. And I jumped out of my window. Thank goodness I was on the main level. Um, And it was snowy. And I took off. And I had absolutely no idea where I was going or anything. I want to thank you for listening to Choice, my experience in building relationship with God. This was the fourth episode. However, I want to reiterate Suicide is never the answer. It never is. But to young people and individuals that may be struggling with mental health issues, it's really hard to identify that. So please call 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. They can help with individuals that are struggling with thoughts of suicide. 
The Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention, and crisis resources for you and your loved ones, and best practices for professionals in the United States. Thank you.